0: hello, and welcome back to Edelman Editions. I am Olivier Lebleu, head of ESG at Edelman here in London, and I'm delighted to be joined today by my colleague Luciana Berger, a managing director here at Edelman and head of our public affairs practice. Today's conversation will be focused around the launch of Edelman's 2021 Trust Barometer Special Report on Institutional Investors, which was published yesterday. So it's no secret, I think, for many listeners that trust is very important at Edelman. We have been studying it for more than 20 years, seeing it as what defines an organization's license to operate and succeed. Each year, we also go beyond this and look via a special report on investor trust, where we survey 700 institutional investors globally to get their insights on how trust is influencing decision-making across the investment landscape. Now, as with other Edelman Trust analyses, the survey provides insights into both trends that are affecting how stakeholders interact with businesses, as well as new issues that are arising in the recent period. This year, the survey was completed in August and September. So, Luciana, let me start by asking you about some of the survey findings. Firstly, the survey confirms the trend from previous years. ESG, in other words, environmental, social, and governance factors, are now systemic issues in the investment industry. However, in one section, the survey also asked the question, why is ESG trust so low? The answers given, uh, point to a lack of trust from investors that the corporate commitments on ESG can actually be met in practice. What is your perspective on this trust gap?
1: Well, thank you so much, Olivier. It's, I think, really timely that we're having this conversation and so interesting to read the findings Uh, from the report, you ask a really important question about why this trust deficit exists. I think largely it's because companies really are looking for that direction and to get the detail that is necessary to fill out Uh, and to backfill and to to really uh, expand on on what it means to meet some pledges. We're having this conversation as the COP26 conference uh, is still going on. There was certainly a big drive here in the UK to get businesses to sign up to the Net Zero pledge. Uh, But certainly I know from from, from lots of the work that I do with with many of our clients and businesses, actually working out what that means in practice to deliver on, on those pledges very much, you know, businesses are, are looking to government for direction, for uh, guidance, um, and 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 they very much need those kind of staging posts to reach that ambition. We've got the commitment to the ambition, which is fantastic. Uh, but in terms of actually fleshing out what that means in practice, certainly, uh, you know, that's where one of the greatest challenges lies, and I think very much explains why that trust um, deficit exists. You know, we we are having this conversation. Uh, While the COP26 conference is going on, we've heard, you know, only just in the past week from the Chancellor of the UK that um, here we are going to see new standards for reporting. Uh, Interesting that, you know, the government website itself has in the headline, you know, the the ambition is, is to weed out greenwashing and support transition to a greener financial system. Is a great press release. It's a great commitment, but yet we don't yet know exactly what that means in practice. So there's a lot of catch up going on, um, and um, certainly you know, there is a big job to be done to actually understand in practice what what the expectation is and how actually these these commitments can be delivered.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think a lot of what I'm seeing from the investor lens is that there's a bit of a trickle down effect. You know, if we look to the EU for for a moment, uh, starting this year in 2021. Uh, The SFDR directive, uh, which basically mandates certain kinds of investment product disclosures for asset management companies, has in a little bit put the cart before the horse. It's asked investors to go ask their investee companies for a lot of information, which, as per your point, uh, have not already been mandated. So there's a lot of searching in the dark for what is the appropriate disclosure, what is the right level of detail that an investor can ask an investee company, and how does that feedback loop actually get closed? So I completely agree. Ultimately, this question about the trust gap that we asked in our survey, or that we uncovered in our survey, I should say, will only really be um, solved for once better disclosures are firmly hardwired into the regulatory system for for ESG. Um, So I think that there's another topic that we should discuss, uh, which is related in many ways to to the overall trust issue, which is uh, the survey reveals an interesting uh, trend on employee activism now being seen by the investors we've surveyed as more of an asset than a risk. Uh, This really touches upon the S in ESG, the sort of social factor, Uh, and the survey reveals that Employee engagement on social issues, broadly defined, is viewed as a positive, as a net positive, at least. Uh, The inference being that it represents or it's a proxy for a strong company culture. And I was interested, Luciana, in your experience, what does this kind of insight actually mean for employee activism and particularly for what corporate management teams and boards may have to do as a reaction to their employees' activism?
1: Well, I think the first thing to, to say is, I think we saw like a watershed moment last year. You know, in the wake of the, the tragic murder of George Floyd, we just saw like such a sea change. And it wasn't confined to the UK, you know, very much you know, I think pronounced in the UK and the US, but right across the world, there was just a change and a shift. And it also happened in concert with the pandemic, where we know from our other trust surveys, there was, there's been an increase in expectation of businesses that, that populations you know cannot rely on governments and you know, are not relying on governments alone and are expecting businesses to step up. So the combination of those two things means that you know, we have seen for a, a while, I think, an increase in, in activity when it comes to employee activism. But what's very noticeable, I think, in, in this particular um, um, survey and the findings of it, that investors themselves are saying that that employee activism is a positive thing. And it's um, it's it's a demonstration of that healthy workplace culture, and um, and so you know with this increased expectation, which we know you know customers have, but now from you know, internally from employees as well, we're just seeing this I think you know, a whole new movement and a whole new expectation of, of of how businesses have to show up, and that needs to uh, start at the top with the boards, you know a real expectation now of investors of boards to really focus on culture. And to really flesh out what the uh, what the S means, you know, what does it mean to have a healthy workplace? Um, everything from employee health to also having a point of view. It's not okay just now for you know businesses to. Um, be reactive and be passive. There is an expectation both of customers, but also of, em- of employees now of the of the companies that they work uh, for to show up, to have a point of view, to to actually express that culture, to define that culture, um, and to be counted. Um, and and for me, that's a real departure. That's a you know, that's a real sea change in in what we've seen. and um, Certainly, I think from before twenty twenty. I think what's also particularly interesting in the wake of the events of last year is also this expectation um, of employees and of companies to use a voice and have a voice that is both authentic and that resonates with their employee base. And quite often in businesses, we're seeing uh, an employee base that has an increased expectation around everything to do with um, diversity, equality, and inclusion um, within that workplace. And it's, I think, particularly interesting looking at the findings from this investor survey that investors themselves are conducting deep analysis of company culture, which includes as one of those strands uh, an interrogation of of what that, uh, it's called DEI or EDI activity, um, is within businesses. So, you know, this is certainly an area that I would expect to see more activity of, uh, and again, more expectation of employees, which in in turn will drive that activity, but certainly still a lot more to do. On the question of engagement, Olivier, there is um, also a section of the survey about communicating with the retail investor um, and how the so-called meme stock phenomenon has impacted markets. What have been your key takeaways from the survey on, on this particular topic?
0: Yeah, you're absolutely right, Luciana. We do have a whole section of the survey discussing uh, the meme stock phenomenon. Maybe I should just maybe take a step back for our listeners and make sure I describe some of the background here uh, before going into what I think the the inferences are from the survey responses. So in the... Many cases, uh, companies with uh, who struggle operationally or have financial warnings um, uh, issued to the market are are target for for short sellers uh, in the stock market parlance for investors, often hedge funds, but not always hedge funds, who bet that the shares only have one way to go, and that's further down. And so they go out and borrow shares from another investor. And with that borrowed group of shares, they just wait for the shares to fall. And once they fall, they buy back the shares that they borrowed and pocket the difference between the level at which they borrowed the shares and the, and, and the level at which they paid back the, the shares loan. And that short selling pressure was very much in evidence in a few instances earlier this year, particularly on a U.S. company called GameStop, which is a retailer uh, based in the U.S. nationally, which uh, retails mostly electronic goods. Uh, End Games, as as the name indicates, and which has had operational and financial issues which have been well flagged and understood by the market for a long time, leading to a group of investors. In this case, it was mostly hedge funds short selling their their shares, as I just explained, in a significant way to put further pressure on the company. And as they did that, and as the short interest, as it's called, is revealed to the market um, in a periodic basis, We had an unusual phenomenon, and certainly in my investment career, the first time that I saw it at this scale, we had what's called a short squeeze. A short squeeze is when somebody takes the other side of this this kind of short selling pressure and decides that they can actually make the people who took the aggressive short selling stance lose money by making the shares go up instead of down. But the people who did the short squeeze in this instance were not the usual hedge funds on the other side of the trade, as Wall Street parlance has it. They were retail investors, mobilized on social media via various Reddit forums in particular, who decided, based on the information they had, that irrespective of whether GameStop performed better or not operationally, there was a trade to be put on if enough people could be mobilized to squeeze the hedge funds out of their short positions and by driving the shares of GameStop upwards. And that mobilization worked to great effect. So what is the inference for retail shareholder communication? Well, I think it's fair to say that traditionally for most listed companies of any size, irrespective of where you are based, if you have an investor relations outreach effort, it is mostly focused on the institutions that own your shares. They are viewed as longer term oriented, likelier to understand the sophisticated financial disclosure that you have to communicate, And therefore, a lot of the communication infrastructure for companies is geared towards communication towards those institutions. But in this instance, if you were the management company, the management team, excuse me, of GameStop, you found yourself having a massive retail shareholder problem. It was the retail shareholders, the individual shareholders mobilized via Reddit that were driving your share price performance. And I think the inference from from our responses uh, to the survey is company management teams may want to use this particular anecdote, this example from from this year, as a bit of a warning sign, not to forget about retail shareholders in their communications. If they can be mobilized to this kind of effect with this kind of impact, taking retail shareholders, perhaps not for granted, but as a bit of a second-class citizen that only needs to be told about when the AGM is or what the latest dividend announcement was, is probably uh, a bit too much of a shortcut and particularly with social media as the intermediary uh, where there is no filter, as the, as the phrase goes, it can be very tricky to figure out exactly how to engage with that community. So it bears some thinking and it bears probably some strat- strategic thinking, how you engage with retail shareholders in a different way in the future than you might have done in the past. Um, so that is the overview on on the meme stock and on the survey overall. Um, I want to perhaps leave it there, Luciana. There's a lot of data that uh, maybe our listeners want to look at. Um, I'd like to thank you very much for joining me on the podcast today. I enjoyed the discussion. I hope our listeners did as well.